Welcome to the Open to Hope Show in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm here with my mom and co-host, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Hi, Mom. Hi, Hyde. Well, it's an interesting show we're going to have on today. I know uh, we met our guest uh, at the uh, first candle with uh, our friends there, and uh, I know she's done some work with them, and it's going to be interesting talking about stillbirth again. Absolutely, and she's also been on one of our cable shows, so if anyone is interested in viewing that, they can just go to opentohope.com and look her up, and her name is Debbie Hain. VJ Vergia, and I will I will introduce her mom. So, like you said, she's a friend of ours, and we know her and have had her on before. And on July 2011, her daughter Autumn Joy was stillborn. Since then, Debbie has become a powerful advocate for stillbirth awareness and education, helping pass the Autumn Joy Stillbirth Research and Dignity Act, which was named after her daughter in New Jersey on January 2014. Debbie is a founding member of the Action for Stillbirth Awareness and Prevention Coalition and the founder of the Two Degrees Foundation, both organizations dedicated to stillbirth awareness, research, and education. Welcome to the show, Debbie. Hi, ladies. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, it's great having you on again, and uh, we so appreciate you talking about the work. And I wanted to start out for our audience, because I know a lot of people uh, don't know exactly what it means to have a stillbirth. Okay. A a stillbirth is a death of a fetus, an unborn baby, uh, 20-week gestation here Mm -hmm. in the U.S. Uh One of the big implications for that, it seems to me, uh, that unlike having a miscarriage, I mean, um, the baby is formed, and also you often uh, have to go to the hospital to deliver, uh, correct? Correct, yeah. And also you're showing. You're, you're I mean, showing. You know, okay. I, I, had a, I had two miscarriages in my first trimester, and nobody knew I was pregnant. Um, but 20 weeks is pretty far along. Yeah, and it was definitely, um, you know, I, I was showing it was my second pregnancy, well, it was actually my fourth pregnancy, but I had wow. two miscarriages, but I was, you know, didn't show, but after the birth of my daughter, this is my second pregnancy going into my second trimester, and you, you pop more after mm-hmm. your second, and and I think that probably that point was one of my biggest issues coming out of the hospital is actually leaving my house because of that fear of seeing people who would go, wait, what just happened? <laughs> you Weren't you pregnant? Yeah, you were just pregnant, pregnant a second ago, and now you're not. Well, it's interesting so. you're saying that because my son's teacher um, had the same thing happen, and, and you know, he he came home and he goes, Mom, she's not. I don't think she's pregnant anymore. And, you know, we found out later that she had a stillbirth. Really? So, yeah. Did she, did she explain it to the, the kids at all? I don't think so. I don't think so, no. So he was confused and couldn't figure out what was going on. Yeah. She had taken she took some time off, you know, like a uh-huh. week and then came back and he just thought she was sick but then she wasn't pregnant anymore. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah. I, I really am and I and that's one of the things that there I mean, there's so many areas related to stillbirth, but I mean, one of the most important points is to make it socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. where people don't have to be so scared because there's so much confusion around the topic. People don't really understand it. What's the cause of it? Why do they happen? And we don't really fully even under, 
understand all of the reasons, and that's one of the many things that all of us in the Silver community are working towards. However, making it part of the conversation so that doctors and the healthcare professionals and, you know, folks are just, you know, generally in society, we can have a conversation about it so that there, there's less confusion and less fear. And, and I'm thinking and also more support. And, yeah. you know, oh, support for you and for your husband. And I'm wondering if you got support after you had a stillbirth. Did you get support after Autumn Joy died? You know, I wound up going the route of seeing an independent therapist. I toyed with the idea, you know, the hospital that I had delivered her at sent held a once-a-month support group, which in my mind seemed so insane. I'm like, only once a month you expect for us to sit and talk about this. I mean, it's all I, it's all I thought about. It was all consuming. So I decided to go the, the route of the therapist, not only for that reason, because once a month wasn't enough for me, but um, I personally didn't know if I could handle hearing other people's stories. I thought mine was so consuming, and mm-hmm. I, I, did, I couldn't personally take on other people's tragedies. Right. Um, but I, 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 did, I did seek help, um, absolutely. I think that as difficult as it is to have to talk about it, I would urge anyone to go. And and for some people, support groups do work for them. I think like in any situation of grief, you know, Mm -hmm. some people want to know that others are suffering the same way and other people want to suffer, you know, in their own way. But regardless, I firmly stand that you you need to seek help. This is not something uh, that you can manage on your own, this type of grief. The time when you go and, and hear that the baby's heart's not beating anymore. I mean, that's got to be a, a terrific um, experience. It, it is, and that's one of the reasons why I would love to see us talking more about stillbirth because it it came as a shock to me. I mean, I I know I've shared my story with you guys before, but... I I had, you know, I had my daughter, and then I got very sick, and I, you know, I experienced serious pregnancy complications. I, I almost died. I contracted a late presentation of strep B after yeah. the birth of my first daughter, and then I got a blood clot in the hospital. Things got very complicated, and then after I got better every year for uh, for the two consecutive years after I had her, I suffered a miscarriage, mm-hmm. and then autumn was my fourth, and I thought, you know, I'd seen it all. I was like, oh, I've, you know, I've paid my dues to the pregnancy gods. You know, I've, I've lost, I've, you know, been near death, you know, everything mm-hmm. that could have gone wrong went wrong. And then to, you know, to, to be on the examination table, I felt like once you hit the second trimester, I really did think that you were good to go. I, I thought that too, Debbie. I thought you were kind of home free at that point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was, I was raised in a household, a reformed Jewish household where my mother always said, oh, you know, this person is pregnant, but we're not going to talk about it yet. No one, they're not talking about mm-hmm. it until we, you know, they're in the, the second trimester. And, you know, it was ignorant of me, but, you know, who, who was I to think anything other than, you know, what I was told, you know, growing yeah. up. And so um, I really do think that the shock of it is, um, I mean, all of it, it's, it's just, it, it's, it's it's tragic. Mm-hmm. It really, really is coming out of left field like that, mm-hmm. um, for sure. Absolutely. Now, mm-hmm. what happened to you? And was was your husband with you when you heard the news? I mean, uh, I was alone. Get... I, um, you know, it's it's uh, we were away on a family vacation. It was over July Fourth weekend, 
And I remember laying in bed with him right before we came home. And I remember saying to him, like, you know, I feel like I haven't felt the baby move. Um, I had, I had a very painful issue with placenta previa. And I said to him, like, you know, I feel like the pain, I don't feel the pain anymore. And I haven't felt the baby move. And I knew that was like on a Monday and I had the appointment on a Thursday. And so we were going to be getting, we were leaving Tuesday. So I'd be home Wednesday, one day, Thursday morning, I'd be in, it would be fine. There was no, we had no reason to think that anything could be going on. And, and I mean, I felt really, I mean, I felt bad on so many different levels, but I wound up meeting a doctor in my group who I'd never met before. And so here we are making, you know, small talk about my trip to Florida. And, you know, here she is putting, you know, the ultrasound monitor to my belly. And she's going, well, first it was the heartbeat monitor. I remember that. And she was like, oh, maybe it's broken. And she got a second one. And then she got the monitor, ultrasound monitor. And nothing, um, just like all of life's tragedies, nothing can prepare you to ever look into an ultrasound monitor and and see nothing moving mm-hmm. wow. so um i was alone and she left me to make my phone calls and fortunately my husband happened to be home which never ever happened and um you know he came and he found me and we we you know headed home and packed a bag and went to the hospital wow now, now talk about your experience because I I know that you have founded um, uh, worked on uh, very hard on passing the uh, Adam Joyce Stillbirth Research and Dignity Act. What happened to you that you felt that there should be a Dignity Act? Well, I wound up delivering Autumn at the hospital that I was born at, so I I had wow. high hopes. I was very excited to move to the town that we did, knowing we were so close to this hospital. It was my family hospital, and. Um, when I when I arrived on the labor and delivery floor, which you can imagine, all you hear is our babies crying and screaming. They put me into a room and, and left me to change, and I heard a woman actually delivering a baby oh, in the next room. And I stood there frozen, and before I knew it, I was being brought out by a nurse, and she brought me down the hall to another room. And while I was there... Um, within maybe after I got undressed and was, you know, in the bed and being hooked up and to, you know, medication and whatnot, the social worker arrived and started basically shooting off questions to me without any sort of sensitivity to the issue. I mean, we had just found out that, you know, we lost our baby. You know, I'm surrounded by, by women birthing babies, and here she is, just rapid fire of questions. And... You know, at that point, you you you're you're in a, a a daze. Like you just are kind of thinking, maybe this is a nightmare. Maybe I'm going to wake up. I mean, I definitely was still convinced they would, you know, see the baby was actually alive. I mean, mm-hmm. this, by this point, I'd already been to maternal fetal medicine and for another ultrasound, and they confirmed the baby was not alive. But you hold out hope, and and right. so I'm sitting there and I'm in shock, and she's asking me, you know. Do you want pictures of the baby? Do you want pictures with the baby? Do you want handprint, footprint, all these things? And, you know, I said no because I, I it was more than I could handle. Right. The idea mm-hmm. that, that a child that my husband and I had made was, was dead inside of me. And mm-hmm. the idea of, of holding her, it just, 
I, I couldn't. I couldn't wrap my head around it. Now, looking back on that, do I regret those decisions? One billion percent. Um, what happened was no one ever came back to talk to me. Wow. No one ever came back after, you know, more of the morphine kicked in and the volume and, like, everything kicked in. No one came to talk to me about it after autumn arrived. Um so, so, Debbie, it sounds like there needs to be more education. And oh. at first, people need to go to women that are dealing, that are going through stillbirth and just listen, acknowledge, empathize, and say, look, we're here for you. We're so sorry. And be with them. And then come back and give them some options after, you know, after oh, they've absolutely. had the baby rather than I just mean, coming in and all of a sudden asking all these questions. When you're in shock and you're also holding on to the hope that you're going to deliver a baby that's going to live. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, one of sensitivity and empathy are lacking significantly mm-hmm. around the issue of stillbirth. I think many people don't really fully get it. Right. Um, and so they, like with everything, just pretend it's not really happening, and they just go about business as usual. And it's it's a problem. And mm-hmm. you know, I wound up. One of the other issues was that. My doctors were concerned I was going to contract a, you know, strep B again, and I saw an infectious disease doctor. Long story short, I had contracted an infection, not strep B, but the hospital psychiatrist pays you a visit when you lose a baby, and he saw that I was in pain, and he sat down and he looked at me, never even looked at my chart to see what I was diagnosed with, and he he suggested that the pain I was feeling was psychosomatic. Oh, my gosh. Never once looking at my chart to see if I actually had contracted an infection. And I mean, I could go on and I won't bore you, but it was, it was just one thing after another. And six months after I got my head around it all, after I, you know, I've been through all this, I did write a letter. Oh, good for you. I harbored a lot of resentment. Mm -hmm. I was really, really put off and disheartened. And um, unfortunately, the letter that I got, you know, the first letter was they acknowledged and the second was, you know, we spoke to the appropriate people involved with the people involved. And, you know, we, we are, we hope that this doesn't happen to anyone else. And that was it. I mean, now I don't you, know what. Now, now you've uh, worked past this uh, Autumn Joy Stillbirth mm-hmm. Research and Dignity Act, which is fantastic in New Jersey. And tell us about your organizations, the mm-hmm. Second Degree Foundation, and uh, oh. what you're doing. Sure. So um, after the legislation was passed, um, it wasn't passed without a, uh, any sort of appropriation funding. So I decided to go ahead um, and I set up a special project fund through the Community Foundation of New Jersey um, called the Two Degrees Foundation because, you know, whether you know it or not, there's often only two degrees of separation between you or someone who's experienced the pregnancy loss or mm-hmm. stillbirth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's definitely more common than, than you think. And um, my hope through Two Degrees is that we can begin to raise money to not only support the implementation of the legislation, but to, you know, in my ideal world, fund research. Because without any research, without any data, we're never going to be able to fully understand how to start to prevent stillbirth from occurring. Um, I'm very interested, obviously, as you can imagine, in bereavement support and and programs that, uh, you know, any sort of educational programs that I can hold in hospitals or for healthcare workers. Um, we've discussed uh, raising money for uh, nurses to go to resolve through sharing training, which is bereavement training. Um, 
And, uh, you know, I just want to try to do whatever I can in my own way to, you know, help that to ensure that others don't suffer the way that I, the way that I have. Debbie, I love the idea of going into hospitals and organizations that deal with stillbirth and educating staff, like you said, staff, nurses, doctors, social workers, anyone that is going to be dealing with moms and dads that are are having stillbirths. Thank you. I mean, you got to start somewhere, Mm -hmm. right? I love that uh, you're doing this. And, you know, walking out of that hospital, I have to tell you, I've spoken to women. I mean, obviously, you don't ever have to want to be walking out of the hospital after that experience, but it really can set the tone for what the future holds. And walking out of that hospital without any sort of uh, talk about how to approach my child who I had at home or what, you know, what I should think about or who, what I should do or how to approach anything, it, it, it just added to all the anxiety and the pain and, and the loneliness and anger that I, I had inside me. So, you know, for the women I know that had very good help in their hospitals and had the support, um, they, they definitely left off on a much better foot than I did. So, so what would you say to women out there that have had stillbirths and are in a really dark place? What, what kind of thing would you say to them? The only thing that I've ever said to anyone is that it does get easier. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I am not someone, there's, there's no, as I've, I've said to, to many people as well, like, you know, there, there isn't any sort of a guidebook. There's no rules to, to grief in general, and especially one like this, because, you know, when you become pregnant, all you, the second that you take that pregnancy test, all of your hopes and dreams are like right there on that stick and you're going, this is the beginning of something beautiful. This is going to be my future. And when that future is no longer a part of your reality, it's very hard. And so what I've told everyone is take your time, listen to yourself. Don't let anyone make you feel bad about how long it's taking you or how you're acting or how you're handling things. Because at the end of the day, they're not walking in your shoes. It's just you. And the, the, the less pressure I found that I put on myself, the more that I allowed myself to just grieve, I found it was, it was definitely easier for me. Uh-huh. Um, I know people, you know, feel like that sense of, you know, society, you know, well, society didn't, you know, doesn't expect me to be grieving like this. My job expects me to be back at work. You know, my husband wants this, you know, my friends want that. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't work that way. I very much went through my own process. And I think that, you know, give in to yourself, be patient and be kind, always, always be kind and know that the pain does get easier. I, I love it that, really Debbie. Does. Thank you so much. That is that is a great note to end on. And if people want to find you, how do they do that? How do they do that? You can um, go to either uh, www.the2number2degrees.org uh, or uh, stopsilverasap.org, which is the ASAP Coalition. You can Google me, find me on Facebook or Instagram. Um, and um, I'm here to help. Absolutely, and so important because this loss is so minimized, and Debbie is building awareness and changing the world. 
So, and mom, like you always say, if you've lost hope, please lean on ours. Thanks for listening today, and God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.